Good morning, everyone. Welcome. Glad you're here today. Uh, glad anybody's here today. Uh, we're, we're glad that, ev- that everybody's here. It's, it's great to be here to, together to worship God. And we welcome our guests, especially this morning, and uh, hope that you'll feel very much a part of our family. And uh, we'd like to remind everyone of our attendance sheets and uh, ask everyone to fill that out and check the appropriate box and give us inf- information on there if uh, you feel comfortable. Um, we all know, as you saw on the door, that uh, we are kind of under less than perfect circumstances this morning. We have no water. Uh, there's a, a large water main break uh, down the street here, and it's covering this whole section of town. And so... Um, if I see you squirming in your seats, um, I'll try to speed things up a little bit today. Uh, <laughs> just a few announcements I'd like to call to your attention this morning. Uh, first of all, let me thank you for, for the fall festival that we had on uh, Thursday evening. Let me thank everyone who participated in that. What an event. We, you know, the night before, we were kind of on the fence about it because we heard the weather was going to be so terrible. And we thought, well, maybe nobody's going to show up. And we were thinking, well, maybe we'll postpone it. And um, we had the most people we've ever had at our, at our fall festival event. We had 441 people registered. And a lot of people didn't register, so I don't know how many people we had there. It was, it was close to 500 people, probably not quite 500, but close to 500 people that we had on, um, on Thursday evening. So everybody that helped be a part of that, or if you were there, just reach back and pat yourself on the back. You did a great job, and it was a wonderful time. And so thank you so much for that. Thank you for your help. A couple of other things. Um, we have uh, signed up to, uh, to be bell ringers for the Salvation Army on December the 7th. And so we need teams of two to take a two-hour shift uh, for, to ring the bell on December the 7th. And so if you would like to do that, please sign the uh, sign-up sheet in the office uh, right here. We would certainly appreciate that. Also, you, you have seen in your worship folder, and I've been announcing uh, the event that's coming up uh, an opportunity to meet Susie Painter. Um, she is the uh, executive director of Con- uh, Cooperative Baptist Fellowship, and we've been talking about that and looking forward to that coming up this week, uh, but we're not going to be able to do that. And I'll tell you why. Um, Susie Painter has the opposite problem that we have. We don't have enough water. She has too much her home was flooded this week. And so we need to keep Susie in our prayers. Uh, I, I think she said that the water came up to her window sills, And so they're, they're having to deal with all of that. So they have canceled, at least for now, the, uh, the Kentucky tour. And she will not be here next week. But hopefully she'll be able to reschedule later on. And we'll be able to uh, have that opportunity to meet her sometime down the road. So don't plan on being here Tuesday to go see Susie Painter. Uh, We won't be here, or she won't be here anyway. Uh, It's great to be here with with God's people, and uh, let me invite you to stand and greet each other in the name of the Lord. Let's share the love of Christ with one another. Thank you. 
Please join me in our responsive reading for today, titled Forgiveness. Before we do this, though, I neglected to make an announcement a moment ago. Uh, the McDowell's will be having a bonfire at their house on the 16th, on the 16th at 5 o'clock, and we're all invited to be there. The McDowell's house on the, six, on the 16th at 5 o'clock. Not the 15th at 6 o'clock, the 16th at 5 o'clock. 
I'm telling you what, we'll get through this service <laughs> by hook or by crook here. Let's read. <laughs> God, hear our confessions for our running away from your love to avoid the tug of your call. For preferring the safe, familiar, and certain to the risky, unknown, and mysterious. For failing to believe in the vulnerability of power and the power of vulnerability. For taking no delight in variety and insisting on sameness and conformity. For fearing those different from ourselves and projecting onto them what we cannot accept in ourselves. For not noticing your presence in faces as well as in spirit, in feeling as in intellect, in darkness as in light, in pain as in healing, in the journey as in the resurrection. Set us free, we pray, so that we may live our lives gloriously. Amen. Be reading the scripture, Linda Wilson's Under the Weather. Our scripture is Luke 19, verses 1 through 10. He entered Jericho and was passing through it. A man was there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was short in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him because he was going to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried down and was happy to welcome him. All who saw it began to grumble and said, He has gone to be the guest of one who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, half of my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will pay back four times as much. Then Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because he, is, he too is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek out and to save the lost. Thanks be to God. Tired of being the only boy? You can handle it, can't you? All right, this is what I want you to do. Come on, Gray. Allie, you are old enough. Would you please read the very first line that Dr. Tim had us? uh, He read this line. No, not that line. I'm sorry. The very, right here where it says, God, hear our confession. Can you read that really loud? Here, come here and let me help you again. God, hear our confessions for our running away from your love to avoid the tug of your call. 
I brought out a simple game because listen to what that says. Why, why, why do we keep running away from God's love? All we have to do to get through this life is what? We have to rely on God, right? He will answer all of our questions. He will help us through all the rough times. It is very simple, but still, we're so hard-headed. Hit your head and see if it's hard. We are so hard-headed that sometimes we can't do this. But this game, put your beanbags in there for just a second. Put your beanbag in there for just a second, please. Thank you. I see you, Joe. I see you hiding it behind your back. Put it in there. (laughs) Oh, it's under your bottom. There you go. All right. Nope. Back to me. This is a different kind of service today, isn't it? (laughs) All right. So what did I just say? It is just so simple. Now you guys are all going to be frogs. All right. What's this? What's this? What's it say? You can't read. Emily, help him out. Fully. What does fully mean? Not just a little bit. We've got to love God with all of our heart and soul. Okay? Um, I need that one, please. <laughs> what does this say? Not close. Rely. What does rely mean? Do you rely on your moms and dads and your grandmas and grandpas for everything? Y'all listening? Rely. Do you rely on your moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas to keep you safe and warm and to feed you? You rely on them because you know they're going to be there. But you have to know that God is going to be there for us and we can always rely on God. All right? Who can we rely on? On God. Okay? I'm going to have Miss Allie spread this lily pad out. Spread the water out for us. I want you all to line up on that black line right there, and let's see how simple you can do this. Over here. So we won't be in anybody's way. All right, line up. One behind the other. Joe, you can go first since you're the only boy. Didn't know you were going to come to church and play a game, did you? I want you to pull it all the way out. That's our water. Mm-hmm. Miss Rachel's coming to help you. We don't want to take up all of Dr. Tim's time here. We did play this game at the Fall Festival. Take one beanbag and step behind the line, please. One beanbag and step behind this line, right here. That line right there. All right, what is so simple about this? Can you take a beanbag, Gray? Uh, Not so much this morning. Okay. What was the message this morning? How simple is this life if we only do one thing? We fully... Does anybody remember? Emily, help me. Rely on who? All right, you have one chance to hit a lily pad. Let's go. One chance and then go back to Children's Church. Ooh, that was close, Joe. Come on back over here. So close. This is where you all make your decisions. Do you want to fully rely on God? I know. (gasps) 
Okay. Rachel, you do it for her. All right. Come on back to Children's Church. join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this beautiful, colorful fall day and for those who have come to this, your church, to worship and to learn to be better Christians. We ask ask that you'll bless these offerings, that they are used to the good of thy service. In Christ's name, amen.
Thank you, Jika. Aren't we blessed to have that kind of talent in our church and people that are willing to share it? Thank you so much, Jika. Reuters News Service carried a story a while back uh, about a man in Poland who was literally up a tree. Uh, he, he was trying to avoid a um, cab fare and uh, apparently jumped out of the cab without paying the, the, the cab driver, and the driver jumped out in hot pursuit, and he climbed up in, up in the tree. And he must have been an amazing athlete because after he climbed up this tall tree, he jumped from branch to branch and hurled bananas from a shopping bag at the crowd that was gathered below the tree. More than a dozen firefighters were called in, and they spread out a, a big airbag underneath the tree for his protection, and a police psychologist went up in a cherry picker to talk the man down. And finally, after a two-hour standoff, he, he agreed to come down. Unfortunately, it appears that his attempt to avoid this cab fare is going to cost him a whole lot more than the cab fare itself because the fire department's planning on sending him a bill for $4,300 for the rescue operation. You know, it, it's not that often that you see a grown man up in a tree, is it? Unless he's cutting limbs or something like that. In fact, it's kind of ridiculous to see a grown man up in a tree. Now, when I was a kid, I was up in a tree all the time. I had, I've built tree houses in every tree in the woods across the street from my house. But as a grown man, it's kind of unusual. But, of course, the most famous example of a man up a tree is found in our Scripture lesson for today. And that's the story of Zacchaeus. The story is set in Jericho. Jesus was passing through when he spotted Zacchaeus peering down from the branches of a sycamore tree. And what makes this scene especially fascinating is the fact that Zacchaeus was the town's chief tax collector. And as chief tax collector, he was probably the head honcho at the local tax office. And so he answered directly to the Roman government for the management of the local tax collectors. This meant that Zacchaeus had every opportunity to accumulate a lot of wealth. Now, Zacchaeus' wealth is important for a couple of reasons. First of all, Zacchaeus had all the pleasures and all the comforts of life that money could buy. Anything he wanted, he could get it. As entertainer Sophie Tucker once said, I've been rich and I've been poor. Rich is better. Well, Zacchaeus had everything he could ever want. However, his wealth did not seem to satisfy him. In spite of his, all of his wealth and all of the pleasures and the comfort that he enjoyed, he was apparently empty and lonely on the inside. I mean, why else would he have climbed up into the sycamore tree to get a peek at this itinerant preacher who was making his way through town? Well, Luke tells us that Zacchaeus was a short man. And that's generally a disadvantage in our world. Studies have shown that even today society rewards men according to their physical height. And I know it's absurd, and there have been a lot of great men who have been small in stature, but sometimes it can be a disadvantage. And apparently it was here for Zacchaeus in his attempt 
to see Jesus over the crowd. He wasn't able to see him. And so when he figured that there was no other way to see Jesus, this man of of power, this man of, of wealth, humbled himself and climbed up a tree. He was determined to see the Lord, and nothing was going to stop him. You know, this makes me wonder if Zacchaeus may have been experiencing the beginnings of faith stirring within his heart, even before he saw Jesus. Maybe he wanted to know more. Maybe he had heard the rumors that Jesus might be the Messiah. Maybe he had heard the rumors about Jesus healing and feeding thousands of people. Maybe he heard about Jesus calling another tax collector named Matthew to be one of his disciples. And maybe Zacchaeus was beginning to wonder if these reports were true and hoping that they were. His efforts to see Jesus and his response to Jesus after he did see him are evidence that there was something going on within him that propelled him towards a life of faith. So as Jesus was walking through the city, he looked up and he saw Zacchaeus in the tree. And we shouldn't be surprised that Jesus noticed Zacchaeus because, folks, Jesus sees every one of us no matter where we may be. But there is one person in particular that Jesus sees. And that is the person who is seeking him. So Zacchaeus was desperate to see Jesus. And he struggled against the odds and found a place where he could get a peek. And it didn't matter that the place that he chose meant humiliating himself in front of his neighbors. Apparently, he was willing to do whatever it took to get a look at the Savior. And because Zacchaeus sought so diligently to see Jesus, Jesus saw him. And even more wonderfully, Jesus called him by name. Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, he said, come on down from there. I want to go to your house today. Well, I'm sure that that struck Zacchaeus dramatically. I mean, when anyone, especially a stranger, calls our name, our ears perk up and our our senses become more alert. But Jesus knew his name just as Jesus knows each of us by name. And he wants to address every one of us like he addressed Zacchaeus. But we must do as Zacchaeus did. We must seek a place where we can find the Lord. Zacchaeus, Jesus called him. Come on down. I want to go to your house today. Now Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem, and he couldn't tarry for very long. He didn't have much time to waste. He had to be in Jerusalem before Passover. He was on a schedule, but Jesus wanted to spend some time with Zacchaeus, this man who had sought him out, who had humiliated himself by climbing up a tree to take a look at him. He wanted to, he wanted to encourage this stirring of faith that was going on in Zacchaeus' life. But that meant that Zacchaeus had to act right then and there. 
The moment of opportunity was here. And if he waited, the moment would be gone. And so Zacchaeus came down from that tree and welcomed the Lord into his home. This is a beautiful story. It's a beautiful picture of a person who was seeking faith and finding it. However, Jesus and Zacchaeus are not the only two characters in this story. You see, there were also the other residents in Jericho, and they were not very happy. Luke tells us that all of the people saw this and began to mutter to themselves, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. You know, it's interesting that the stories of Jesus' wondrous grace, wondrous acts of grace, almost all of them are always accompanied by a chorus of the self-righteous condemning those very acts of grace that Jesus portrayed. It's what's happening here. C.S. Lewis, a great thinker, once dealt with the tendency of people to be self-righteous in one of his books. He said that religious people are most scandalized by sins of the flesh. There are sins involving the body, such as adultery, assault, drunkenness, murder. But Jesus was most scandalized by sins of the spirit. The sins of the flesh are bad, he says, but they are the least bad of all. All the worst pleasures are purely spiritual, he said. The pleasure of putting other people in the wrong, the pleasure of bossing and patronizing, the pleasure of power and hatred. That is why, according to Lewis, a cold, self-righteous nincompoop who goes regularly to church may be far closer to hell than a prostitute. Hmm. Well, that states it pretty strongly, doesn't it? But it... But it seems to be a pretty accurate representation of Jesus' attitude towards those who are self-righteous and judgmental. Now, this is not to say that Zacchaeus was without blame. He was a sinner. As we noted, he was a tax collector, and tax collectors were bitterly hated by the Jewish people. You see, they served the hated Roman government, and most of them were Jews, but in the people's eyes, they had denied their Jewish heritage. They had betrayed their country, and so they were ostracized. They were completely cut off from Jewish society. They were excommunicated from the Jewish faith. The tax collectors were also generally known to be dishonest. They would collect more than than what was required for their taxes, and so they They padded their pockets at the expense of others. They took bribes from the wealthy who wanted to avoid paying taxes. They fleeced the average citizen. They even swindled the government when they could get away with it. And this is how most of these tax collectors became so very, very wealthy. And so the the average law-abiding citizen hated the tax collector. They hated him. And it was offensive to them that Jesus, this man of faith, this man of God, would lower himself to go to the home of such a sinful man like Zacchaeus. 
You see, eating supper with someone in biblical days meant that you were willing to call that person your friend. And so when Jesus said that he wanted to stay with Zacchaeus and, and went and ate with him, the religious people couldn't believe it. Doesn't he know who this guy is? Doesn't he know what he does for a living? Doesn't he know how dirty he is? If these self-righteous critics could only have known what was about to happen in Zacchaeus' life. Because when Jesus entered into that home, Zacchaeus immediately repented of his sins and changed his whole life. He said to Jesus, Lord, right here and right now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anyone out of anything, I will pay it back four times. Imagine that, four times what he had taken. Now think about that coming from a man like Zacchaeus, who is a tax collector and cheating was a part of his life. And I think from here on out, restitution became a way of life for Zacchaeus. Think of all the people that he had cheated. Imagine how long it took to track them down. This is an amazing act of contrition and conversion. He was not the same man that he used to be. And that's what Jesus does for us. Changes us. Some of you may remember the story of Mickey Cohen. Mickey was a, a Los Angeles gangster back in the 1940s, and he supposedly became a Christian through a Billy, Billy Graham crusade there uh, early in Billy's career. But unfortunately, there was, there was just one problem. You see, after his so-called conversion, Mickey didn't want to change his life. He didn't want to change his behavior. He didn't want to change his mob connections. And, and when confronted about his lack of repentance, Cohen said, you didn't tell me I was going to have to give up my work. Meaning his rackets. He said, you didn't, mean, you didn't tell me I was going to have to give up my friends. Meaning his mob associates. It seems that Cohen had his mind in his mind. He had heard that so and so was a Christian uh, a cowboy, and so and so was a Christian actress, and so and so was a Christian senator, and he really thought that he could be a Christian mobster. <laughs> well, to Zacchaeus's credit, he knew better than that, and he was willing to do better than that. Lord. Right here and now, I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay it back four times. And what did Jesus say? Today, salvation has come to this house. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. Wow. What a beautiful statement of hope that is. The Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. My friends, it doesn't make any difference in the world if you live in a mansion or if you live in a rescue mission. 
It doesn't make any difference in the world if your skin is black or brown or yellow or white. And it doesn't even matter if you are a saint or a sinner. If you will let him, Jesus wants to come into your heart and make his home there. Years ago, there was a a broken, unkempt, homeless man who found his way into one of our nation's greatest churches, the Marble Collegiate Church in New York City. Uh, Dr. Burrell was a pastor there at the time, and it was he who welcomed this homeless man named Billy into the church. If you've had any experience with homeless folks, you know that there's a lot of problems that go on in their lives and a lot of mentally ill people and, and people struggling with addictions. And, and for Billy, a life of alcoholism had befuddled his mind, but there was one thing that was very clear to him. He believed that Dr. Burrell could help him. Now, he had known Dr. Burrell about 30 years before in better times, but, but now these two men had come together under far different circumstances. Dr. Burrell was the pastor of this great church, and, and Billy was a broken man from the streets. And Dr. Burrell immediately knew that Billy needed his help. And so he vowed to do anything he could as, as he heard the story of, of Billy's wrecked life. Well, the next Sunday, Billy came to church, and he sat in a, in a faraway seat in this great sanctuary of the church. On later Sundays, he came early so he could get a, a seat close up front. And, and for six months, Billy sat there and, with his face uplifted, listening to Dr. Burrell's every word. And, and at the end of that six months, Billy came to Dr. Bu- Dr. Burrell and he said, I want to take communion and join your church. Within just a few few short weeks, this once broken man took part in the communion service and he stood there before the congregation to be admitted to membership in that famous old church. But then immediately afterwards, without warning, Billy disappeared. Now, every pastor has seen this before. People join the church and then they just kind of disappear. I've heard, I've had people join the church and never seen them before and never seen them after. This time the story is a little bit different. Because you see, two years later, Dr. Burrell received a telephone call from the Hadley Rescue Mission in the Bowery. John Callahan was the head of the mission. He said, Dr. Burrell, can you come down here this evening and conduct a funeral service? The man who died said he knew you. When Dr. Burrell entered the mission that evening, he saw that every seat in the place was taken. In front, there was the casket. And as Dr. Burrell looked at this face, he knew at once that it was Billy. And, and he turned to, to John and he asked, what's Billy been up to? How did, how did you find him? How did he come to be here in the mission? And Callahan said he, he came down here with his face shining. He said he didn't find, uh, we didn't find him. He found us. You see, Billy is not one of those that we picked up off the streets. The night after you took him into your congregation, he came here and he's been here ever since. And he has uh, patrolled the waterfront to find other down and out men and he found them. 
And they'll tell us about it themselves this evening. And so the largest part of Billy's funeral consisted of, of people whose lives had intersected with Billy's life, offering tributes of love to him. He seemed to have left a, a great blessing wherever he went. The landlady in the boarding house where he lived stood up with, with a, a beaming face but covered with tears, and she said, He taught God to me and to every person in my house. My house became full of Christians after Billy came there. And that old boarding house became one of the happiest places in the city. Billy had brought God to it, and from there he went out every night to hunt for broken men and women to show them how they might be made whole again. One after another, people got up, and with happy but tear-stained faces, they told what Billy had done for them. Billy had earned his daily bread beside him, beside them. And all around him, he, as he worked, there had been a circle of song and, and happiness and prayer. He had held up the cross of Jesus to everyone he met. And folks, let me tell you something. That's the kind of change that happened to Zacchaeus. In describing this story, Paul Shearer says that this meeting with Jesus redeemed Zacchaeus' past, transformed his present, and redirected his future. Now, we don't know exactly what happened to Zacchaeus after that. There is a tradition that says that he later became the bishop in Caesarea. We don't know if that's true or not. But whatever became of Zacchaeus, I think we do know that his life was truly transformed by his experience with the Master. And here's the thing, folks. Your life and my life can have that, that same experience of total transformation if we will just open ourselves up and let Christ do his life-changing work in us. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. And so, folks, if you find yourself feeling lost this day, whatever that may mean to you, open yourself up to the love of Christ. He wants to be your friend. He wants to change your life, and He will if you'll let Him. Amen. We're going to sing our closing hymn, number 416, My Faith Looks Up to Thee. We want to offer you an opportunity to respond today as well. You may find yourself up a tree this morning in some way, whatever that means. You may find yourself in, in, uh, in trouble in some way in your life, and you desperately need the Lord in your life. Or maybe things are going pretty good and you need the Lord. Because, folks, let me tell you something. We all need God. And if you don't have God, this is a great opportunity to accept Christ as your Savior, to accept Him as your Lord and make that commitment to follow like Zacchaeus did. We invite you to make that commitment today. Or if you'd like to unite with our church, we invite you to do that today. Or maybe you just need a time of prayer. We invite you to come and we will pray with you. As we sing together, number 416.
My faith looks up to thee. Would you come? We are proclaiming that we are yours. We want to know more about you and your ways. We seek direction from your word. It tells us to live justly, to defend the fatherless, to plead the case of the widow. It tells us of Jesus' open acceptance of sinners such as Zacchaeus and indeed such as us. And so, O Lord... When we find ourselves up a tree like Zacchaeus, help us to find the faith to take you home with us, to feast upon your word, and to bask in the blessings of your salvation. Go with us, O God. Make us true disciples of your kingdom. Amen.